I've put it off twice already, this story, but the winter I have come to believe will not end unless I tell it. Winter tried to make it easy for me, dropped that ice storm at my feet the week before Christmas. It was the perfect cue, but it was Christmas. And then January just as it was in 98, bitterly cold, a quick trip home to Quebec, all those memories. But again, who wants to remember that? So now it's the middle of February and winter is hitting harder than usual, not only here where we're used to it, but all that snow in New York and the South a catastrophic storm of snow and freezing rain in Atlanta, North Carolina. No, winter won't ease up unless I go back there. Time then to man up. For you. For them. Bundle up. The past is a cold, slippery place. It's freezing rain once again tonight, the second wave of a storm system that has caused chaos since Monday night. About 400,000 homes are still without electricity. More than 600 crews are working to restore power. More than 100 temporary shelters are open, and at least two deaths are being blamed on the big freeze. Here's a look at the area affected by the storm, a region that stretches from in and around Ottawa to Montreal and up the south shore of the St. Lawrence. Now, with the freezing rain expected to continue right through the night, the big concern here now is that what is already a very dangerous situation could get even worse. Christmas of 97 had been rough. It was the first in eight years without my now ex-girlfriend. I spent Christmas Day in Saint-Jean with my dad and his girlfriend and my sister and the new guy she was seeing. I wasn't feeling it. The presents I brought were lame. I missed my girlfriend. I wanted to go home and at least be in a, our neighborhood. My dad seemed disappointed I wouldn't stay the night. I left anyway. The ex and I had split in July, and I moved into a place of my own a block away from where we were living in Montreal. Between Christmas and New Year's, I learned she'd been seeing someone. Oh, I handled it well. I stopped shaving. I called my dad to tell him I wouldn't come home for the big family New Year's party. He said he wasn't feeling too well himself and wouldn't be there either. No one I knew in Montreal was even around. I didn't have cable or a VCR. 
so I bought a six-pack and tried to get drunk. I think I didn't drink fast enough. I just got kind of sloppy and listened to music too loud. Very inefficient. It was a miserable wait until at least I could go back to work at the billiards factory on Monday, the 5th of January. Between two and a half and three million Quebecers may have to make do without electricity until sometime next week. That's the latest word from Hydro-Quebec. Large sections of Hydro-Quebec service grid buckled and collapsed overnight under the weight of a second ice storm in three days. At this point, almost 900,000 customers, homes and businesses are still without power and more ice is on the way. Montreal this morning, a spectacle of ice. Environment Canada says another 20 or 30 millimeters of freezing rain will fall by tomorrow. And then very cold weather will follow on the weekend, bringing more misery for displaced residents as well as repair crews. The states of Maine and Vermont have sent crews north to help out in Quebec. Hydro-Quebec had managed to reconnect about 300,000 customers by last night. But with the new ice fall, there are now about 130,000 more people off the network than were knocked out by the first storm. Even today, my sister suffers anxiety attacks when the forecast calls for freezing rain. She still lives in Saint-Jean. Remember the ice storm here this past December? It was big, maybe 30 millimeters of freezing rain, hundreds of thousands left without power for days, some well past Christmas. But between January 5th and 10th, 1998, as much as 120 millimeters of freezing rain fell over southeastern Ontario, Quebec, upstate New York and Vermont, and the Maritimes. This led to a buildup of ice far heavier than what power lines are designed to withstand, and over a thousand towers collapsed under the weight. Four million people were left without electricity. The island of Montreal gets all of its power from about seven different lines coming in from all directions. At the height of the crisis, all lines but one were down. Had the last line collapsed, the city's water filtration system would have shut down, and the island would have to be evacuated. That didn't happen. I lost power for a day or two, but I was lucky. I had natural gas for heat and cooking and hot water. My family in Saint-Jean weren't so lucky. They lived in the heart of what was called the Dark Triangle. From Saint-Jean to Saint-Hyacinthe to Granby, no power. Evacuations were enforced. The high school across from my sister's was turned into a refugee center. She went to stay with her boyfriend's family in the country, where at least there was a fireplace. My aunt and uncle and their kids and grandkids crammed into the big hotel in town that had generator power. My dad still wasn't feeling well. The previous spring, his liver trouble put him in a coma for nearly a week. When my sister called to tell me they were taking him to a hospital, another building powered with generators, I was relieved. That first week, I couldn't have visited him if I wanted to. The bridges connecting Montreal to the north and south shores were closed because of the ice buildup. Work was closed for a few days. When I was back to it, though, I tried sending my dad some magazines at the hospital through our courier at work, but the parcel came back undelivered because of the ice. By the weekend of the 10th, it was clear nothing was getting better out there. My family was scattered and hard to reach, my dad wasn't improving. 
My sister was starting to bug out, living in close quarters with relative strangers. The ex was kind enough to suggest we take her car out there with supplies for my family. We ended up in Saint-Jean the night of Tuesday the 13th, where I'd finally get to see my dad at the hospital, and then we'd bring back my sister, her boyfriend, and her cat to Montreal with us, where they'd spend a few days with me. Some things are very obvious in hindsight. Looking back, I can see how things were playing out for my father, but I was distracted by the storm and its effects, by how I was hurting over my relationship woes. And even though you see it coming, it's human nature to not want to believe the end, the real end this time, is near. We spent a little time with my dad. He was glad to see the ex with me. I asked what he thought of my beard. He gave a non-committal shrug. I gave him the magazines and told him how I'd tried to get them to him the week before. He took them and put them aside. He said he wouldn't have much use for them. Even that didn't sink in. My company stayed two nights, but they probably realized my one-bedroom apartment wasn't so much better than where they had been and left me with the cat until further notice. The cat hated me. On the night of Friday the 16th, the ex and I, we were done, but still in each other's lives. A painful condition that lasted on and off for two more years. We decided to drive downtown and see a movie. Before we left, the phone rang. My dad's girlfriend at the hospital called to tell me a nurse had told her it wouldn't be long. Unfortunately, I'd come to not trust my dad's girlfriend when she had news of almost any kind to give, it was a long history, dating back to my sixteenth year, since wherein were written many days and nights of their drinking and, as I saw it, general unreliability. I tracked my sister down and asked her what she thought. She agreed it wasn't likely as bad as all that, and she would call me if she heard otherwise. So the ex and I headed out. We weren't thinking. Much of downtown was still dark. The theaters were all closed. The streets were bare. We found a place, finally, to get a hot chocolate to kill time. As painful as it was to be together, it was the only thing that made sense. I alternated between rage and calm, but I was grateful to have her there. But, of course, the next day, what I had been keeping at arm's length for so long would no longer be denied. The phone rang about seven. My sister, now at the hospital herself, told me I needed to get there quick. I was putting on my pants when she called again. As she had made the first call, our father had passed away. I called the only person I knew with a car, yeah, the ex, and told her I needed to get to Saint-Jean right away. My license had expired. She would have to drive me. It was a brilliant, sunny morning and must have been 25 below. It was so cold, cold enough that her car wouldn't start. She called CAA. A truck came by, tried to boost it, and failed. Still charged us $40. I asked her to come with me to rent a car downtown. I was afraid my expired license would be a problem, and all of those delays already had me just about at wit's end. We took a cab got the car, and made it to the hospital after 10 a.m. 
My sister, her boyfriend, my dad's girlfriend, and his sisters, Terry and Ava, were still there. They'd waited with the body, waited for me all that time. It would have been enough, I think, just losing someone who meant that much to me. On top of the grief was the knowledge that I could have been there, at least the night before. Or had I paid attention to the subtext, I could have stayed on Tuesday night when my dad told me he was nearing the end. Or all of the other times I could have stuck around a little longer, like that miserable Christmas. It's too hideous to recall, isn't it? Anyway, I was the last one out of that room. I saw to it. I sat on the edge of his bed. He looked peaceful, at least. I took his right hand in mine and shook it gently. Not a shake like you're at a job interview, but like bros do, like cool guys do. Because my dad was way cooler than I ever was. I knew that then and now. And I smiled and said, you know? And I kissed his forehead, and we left. Saint-Jean and the dark triangle would stay dark for the better part of a month. My sister would break up with that guy not long after all this went down. My ex would move to Toronto later that year. Last December, my sister emailed to tell me my dad's girlfriend had died. I'm guessing at the same hospital. We had all lost touch with her within the year after dad died. I didn't mean to speak ill of her here. The truth is I was very sad to hear she was gone. My sister found the courage to pay her respects at the funeral home where she was welcomed and told that our dad was the love of his girlfriend's life and that she looked forward to being with him soon. Well, it's just... Look, it's a shitty time of year. My dog loves the snow, so I'm out there in it every day, and that helps. But the nights are long. And the dark is ideally suited to screen those home movies you'd rather not have to see again. So the trick seems to be, make all the right choices the first time around. All right, Winter. Will that do? Pretty Much, Episode 42, A Windy Tale, written and read by Scott Clarkson, music by Garner Firebird.